has been investing. He's been pouring into our teenagers and our uh, youth workers along the way. It's pretty uh, awesome to see a taste of that. I want to ask you to be praying for them uh, as we begin this new journey uh, through uh, 2022. When you came in today, um, hopefully um, you were given a guidebook. If you didn't get a guidebook, um, there will be some at each uh, exit on the way out in the Welcome Center and out here. And this year, we're focusing on this theme, remember. Re meaning again and again and again. And member meaning you're a part of something bigger. And so all year long, we want you to, to walk with us to remember over and over and over and over that God has made us a part of something bigger. And this first quarter, we're going to be focusing on how we are made for a part of a bigger relationship, to be a part of a bigger story. And so this guidebook is here to help you create a spiritual rhythm in your life. And so we won't go through it all today, but if you have it with you, you can open to that first page and it gives you an overview of what we're going to do there's 13 weeks in this guidebook and and throughout this 13 weeks this first quarter we're going to be memorizing scripture once every two weeks together uh, there's a way to, to track um, your spiritual practices the way that you can remain close to God I think that's one of the most uh, often things that that we speak about uh, with people in our church or or even in our own families is how do I continue to keep that healthy rhythm? What does it look like to be in front of God all the time? And so each week you have my weekly practice page in there. And on this page is just a way for you to track your time with the Lord. And here's what we're believing, that you can start out on week one, and by the end of week 13, you're going to see how you remained faithful or how you grew in proximity in prayer. So we're going to be talking about meditation. We're going to be talking about um, prayer time, spending time talking about Jesus, worship. We'll talk about fasting, scripture memorization. We'll talk about two-minute moments, a challenge is to spend two minutes in complete silence and stillness before God. You can do this in the car before you head to work or when you turn your key off before you walk inside the house. We're going to be looking at how all these different practices help us not just be aware that God is near, but how, how they help us know him better because he is near. And so we want you to bring it each week uh, to church with you. There's a place for sermon notes. What did God show you? Recaps of the week. And I believe wholeheartedly each quarter as we have a new guidebook put out by the end of the year that if we over and over and over focus on remembering that we are part of something bigger, that God is going to move in mighty ways in our life individually, in our life as a church. So would encourage you to get one. We'll be sending out more information about it. But just super, um, super solid foundation that we start off with today. So that's what the guidebook is about. If you want to turn and take sermon notes on the first page, you can do that today. As we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be hanging out this first Sunday of the new year. Um, as we walk into this idea of being a part of bigger relationship, we start asking, where do I belong? Where, where do we belong in God's big picture? And quite honestly, it's, it's pretty easy to get lost in this idea of, of belonging because what we can't see, we tend to let fall out of sight and out of mind. Let me give you an example of that. Christy and I, although we've known each other since we were 10, my wife and I, 
we didn't start dating until we were in college and we went to college six hours away from one another hey, let me let me tell you how long distance dating works it takes a lot of extra attention so we didn't have text messages back then remember we had the phone that you paid by the minute y'all remember that so our relationship was built off of about 12 minutes a week of phone conversation because our parents threatened us with anything more. Do you remember those days? Did anyone else have a car phone that when you were driving, like you only used it if you were about to be shot and killed on the side of the road? It's emergency phone only. That was what we were communicating with. So for us, it was a lot of letter writing that happened it was it was a lot of uh cookies coming in the mail that was one way it was reciprocated thank you going back in the mail it was long drives six hours to to see a movie together and then drive back for a class i, I will tell you this this reality of knowing that someone that i loved and was in a relationship with was not present with me it took a lot to pay attention to and so when you're thinking about those things, there's this anticipation building and a natural question that starts to arise in me. And this is really a great picture of, of our relationship with God. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to go up to chapter 4 as we kind of write this prelude to chapter 5. Verse 13, just read along with me in your word. Paul's writing to the church of Thessalonica. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, and asleep means who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the, world, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other's with these words. This was this love song that, that Paul is writing to the church. He's saying, listen, you and I are going to be caught up. Those who are asleep, we're going to be reunited together. This is going to happen. It's, it's this, this anticipation. You see, when Christy and I went out on our first date, she didn't realize it was her first date. I just decided it was our first date. She thought we were just going to watch a movie as friends, and I had other ideas. So we went to a movie, dropped her off. The next day, I had dinner with some friends, and I said, I just went out with the girl that I'm going to marry. Now, <laughs> Christy was clueless, so that was a big risk. But, but as soon as I knew there was someone waiting out there for me permanently that I was going to be developing this relationship with I was all in committed but a, a natural question popped in my mind when when if you know anything about us there, there's no patience in in this David Adams that fruit is very small God's bearing it out still so once I knew Christy was the person that I was going to ask to be my wife one day and prayerfully hoping that she was going to say yes I go into like full gear like all on wooing y'all know what I mean like everything I can woo you to me 
So if I'm writing long papers to, to send you notes, I'm writing long papers. If I'm driving and spending money on gas, drinking jolt cola so I don't fall asleep on the way home, I'm doing whatever it is, just full on wooing because I want that day to come when she would be my wife. And so as I'm going through this process, I'm having this conversation with God is when? When can she become my wife? And, and I knew a rule in her family was this. You can get married anytime you want, but when Christy gets married, if you're not done with college, she's your financial responsibility. I'm like, well, we're not getting married in the next 18 months. So I, I didn't know when, but I knew it was going to be a while this wooing was going on. And so this stirring starts popping up in me. I just want to know when, just want to know when, just want to know when. In our spiritual life, we kind of find ourselves that way. Like, Lord, when are you going to come back? When are you going to make it back? Lord, I can't, I can't wait any longer for you to make it back. Things aren't going, the wooing isn't working so well. When's it going to happen? And, and the Holy Spirit, knowing the bride, would ask that question. He ends up, and he answers a question without it having to be spoken. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need. You have no need for anything to be written to you. For you're fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. See, the, the Lord starts off by telling the people, you don't need to know when. In fact, it's better for you not to know when because we have a, a problem. When we start to know when, an hour and a time, we start to manage our life differently, don't we? Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 24 that, that no one knows the time or the hour, that when the Lord returns, it'll be like a thief in the night. So instead, in his long idea of saying, instead of asking when, what I just want you to do is I want you to live ready. That's the goal of the Christian life. What does it look like to live ready all the time in every environment, in every situation? God, how do I do that? Well, we know if the Lord tells us his exact moment, then, then we start to stop living ready. We start living for ourselves, right? A couple of examples. There's a new H-E-B in Webster. It's really close to my coffee shop that I go to um, a few days a week. And when it started going up, you know what happened? I called Christy and I said, a new H-E-B is going in. That's how you know you're 45. Like, it's, it's nothing, it's not, not someone says a new H-E-B. She said, when's it gonna open? I don't know. Every day I'm passing by this thing. It's going up and up and up. And then one day, do you know what they did? They put a sign up. It said, opening December 29th. It's like, wow, cool, Christy, it's opening December 29th. It's about two or three weeks before they opened. Do you know what happened? I drove by the HEB for the next three weeks. Do you know what I didn't do? I didn't watch it go up. I didn't watch to see how many cars were in the parking lot. I was totally unconcerned with the opening of the HEB because I didn't have to be ready until December 29th. 
And so I wasn't really excited about it opening. I, I just want to know how it fit into my story. You see, with you and I, when we aren't living ready, we're living for ourselves. And what, what Scripture tells us is you don't need to know when, and God's not going to tell you when he's going to return because, quite honestly, he knows our brokenness, doesn't he? He knows that when we have a date, that the time all of a sudden comes back to us. It's redeemed to us. And so we do what we want in the days in between as long as we're ready. When your wife goes out of town, it doesn't matter how dirty the house is. You know she's coming back on Friday. What does that mean? Thursday night. Then you can live ready. Clean it up. But the rest of those days, you just squander on you and how you want to. You're not thinking of your spouse. You're thinking of you. Studies show it. When, when training pets and animals, if you feed your pet at the same time every day, they'll walk over to their bowl and be ready for it right then. Right? But the rest of the day, they ignore it completely. But if you feed your pet at random intervals, what studies show is they visit their bowl all throughout the day because they just never know when they're going to be surprised. One is living ready, and the other is living for myself until the time comes. See, church, God is not calling you and I to live wasting the day until he returns. He's calling us to live ready for him. And anticipation isn't anxiety when the greatest joy of your life could be around any corner. Have you ever thought, what would it be like to live that way, God? Like any minute, I want you to catch me being ready, being glorifying to you, lifting up your name. I want you to catch me watching TV ready. Like you return, you're like, oh, who cares what the last half of the episode with? God, let's go. What, what would it be like if, if in the middle of a, of a disagreement with someone, God came, are you disagreeing living ready? What does it look like if parenting, teaching, disciplining, downtime, free time, what would it look like if the Lord were to come back any minute? You can choose to say, oh, Lord, don't come back right now. It's a bad moment. That's wasting your life. Or saying the Lord can come back any moment. I'm hurt by this person right now, but if Jesus returns while I am in a moment of correction or discipline, I want him to be glorified. What would it look like to live a life that was ready? Well, the Bible gives us some pretty clear instruction. Verse 5, it says this, verse 5 through 8. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. Verse 8, just the first part. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. You see, church, if, if you were to look in your Bible, what, what Paul is saying is you are not like those who are not ready. You are, you are the church, the bride of Christ. For those who are not ready, the day that Christ returns will be like the, the pain of the birth of a, of a child to a pregnant woman. I think what Paul was inspired by the Spirit to say is, what's the most exhilarating, horrific pain that could ever be experienced? <laughs> Childbirth. 
And so he says, listen, I want you to know, for those who are not ready, that's the closest pain we can tell you. It's, it's going to be painful, it's going to be destructive, but for you, you don't have to be caught off guard. You don't have to be wondering what's around every corner, what's going to get after you, but instead, you can live ready. Why? What is the difference between the church, those who belong to Christ, and those who are not? It's belonging. Verse 8, for since we belong, we can live ready. I want you to know that, that this is the rock that gets thrown in the water. If you were to look at this word belong in verse 8, the whole idea here is this is the agent of action and everything that follows depends on this. When you throw a rock in the water, every ripple that comes out from it ever since is, is due to the rock that came in the water. You cannot live ready if you don't belong. You can't be outside of the banner of Christ, the love of Christ, the church of Christ, and be ready. You can't line up every duck in the row. You can't do enough good things. You can't earn your way in. God is not balancing things in the scale. That is not living ready. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine said, said these words, and I've kept them to heart ever since. We are not here to make earth a better place to go to hell from. That's not living ready. Living ready starts with the reality that you and I belong. You and I can't be sober. We can't live ready if we don't understand that it's all because of Christ. You belong. Church, the only way to belong is to submit and to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life, to be Lord of your life, and to rule over your every day. Do you know, when you and I have a job, we understand this. We understand that our boss tells us, hey, here's the, here's the deal of the job. I want to give you a paycheck. I want you to be a part of the family, so to speak. Here's the things that, that are a part of your role. And we do those things. In Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, what we're saying is, God, I want to be subject to you. I want to do everything underneath your banner. And so I want to live ready to be caught by my boss, by my King of Kings, by my Lord of Lords, by my Father. And I can because I belong. I can because I belong. Look at verse uh, 9 and 10. Or excuse me, verse 8. Excuse me, we'll finish it out. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet for salvation. I don't know if you've thought about this. In church, we know in Christ that we belong, then we have a place when he returns. We don't always think about living ready, but we think a lot about his return. And because of Christ, we have a place. But, but are you able in this life to live ready? What, is, what does it take? What do you need to do? What are, the, what are the equipping tools that you need in order to get there? You see, we're really good at saying, God, what are my five smooth stones? When you think about David and Goliath, 
David picked up his five smooth stones. And, you know, I've heard sermons preached on these stones David picked up, how they probably were just the right size, almost like they were glowing in the river, all of these kinds of things. I could think of all the things, all the sermons that have been preached on the way that God has, has prepared David to slay Goliath and all the things that David did. But the reality is this. David could have picked up a newspaper and beat Goliath. David could have whistled a tune and beat Goliath because God said, you belong to me. You are my anointed king. In me, you have all that you need. That's why Saul's armor didn't matter. That's why the stones didn't matter. He could have picked them up and thrown them because it wasn't about him. In the Lord, he had all that he needed. Now look at verse eight again and think about yourself. But since we belong to the day, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the hel excuse me, and a helmet for the hope of salvation. See, what Paul says is, because you belong, you already have all you need. You have all you need to live ready. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you have all you need to live ready. In Christ, you have already put on this breastplate of faith and love. In Christ, because you belong, you already have put a helmet of salvation on. You don't have to put it on over and over and over again in order to be saved. It's remembering that it's there. You've been given it all. Paul would tell us, remember, remember to, to strap it on every day, but you don't have to go earn it every day. You don't have to go get it every day. You don't lose it every day. You have to go hunting for it. Paul says it's already there. The fact has already come. Life has already been done. Church, somewhere along the way, we started to believe that there must be a gimmick to living ready. That there just must be a gimmick like, like you and I need to have a certain amount of education or you and I need to have a certain amount of skill set in a certain area. You, you and I need to be able to, to check off certain lists and, and when we could check off those things, then we could live ready. But until then, we're just thankful that we belong so that we're not going to hell. But what scripture tells us is because you belong, you already have put on this breastplate of faith and love and this helmet of salvation, like it's already there. Church, the enemy desires for you to think that you need to take your eyes off tomorrow to get today right. The reality is when you put your head down and your eyes down on the things of today, you start looking at all the things that are there to trip you up and make you stumble. But what scripture says is everything you need is right in front of you. You don't have to go searching for it somewhere else. You don't have to go looking for what you need. All you have to do is use what Christ has given you to live ready to bring him glory. Do you know how much pressure that starts to take off? Listen, don't get me wrong. At 45, Christy and I know each other better than we did when we started dating in our 20s. 
But I'll be really honest with you. I don't know if I've got that kind of wooing energy in me at 45. Amen? Some of you are like in your 70s. Whew. That wooing, we, we laugh about it now. It's like, I don't know if I would have driven six hours both both ways in one day just to watch a movie. Like, so thankful I did that when I was young and had, had a lot of energy. Now it's just like, you know I love you. Talk to you tomorrow, you know, here for you. Wooing is going to be a little different. Here's what's taught me that lesson. Everything I have to have the marriage that God has designed for me is already with me. His love, his faith, and his salvation clothing me in the proximity of my beloved is all I need to woo her in ways that long trips and sappy letters would never do. Church, that's what it means to live ready in my relationship with her. In, in the same thing with work, all you need to live ready at work in, in the eyes of your peers and, and, and the, the bosses and whoever else is around you. Those things, if they fall and you realize, God, in you, I have faith, I have hope, I have this hel- or love, I have this helmet of salvation. I can live ready for you and draw everyone to your name every moment of my workday, everything I need. It doesn't mean you don't have to do everything that's being lazy with everything around you. In fact, Scripture goes on and he tells you something. You should be motivated by the fact that you belong and can live ready. Verse 9 and 10 says it this way. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether awake or asleep, we might live with him. Church, what the Bible says is this, is because you can belong, you can live ready. Because you belong, you have all that you need to live ready. Because you belong and live ready, then your motivation should absolutely be that tomorrow is a good day. And since tomorrow is a good day, live ready. Get caught preparing for tomorrow, looking forward to tomorrow. Get caught understanding that no, God has not destined you for wrath. He has destined you for life with him forever. Check this out. God, when you meet him face to face on the day of judgment, because you belong, because you have all you need, because you're saying, God, I am living ready for you. You are not waiting for some spiritual auditor to come through your life and smush all of your dreams. God is not waiting for you with a club to beat you down and say, okay, now that you've endured that, come on in. God is saying, listen, because you belong, because I've given you what you need in me, live ready because tomorrow is going to be a good day. So don't waste your life now. Make the most of it today. Church, in this reality, in this moment, we have work to do. There's a way to live ready. Verse 11. Therefore, encourage each other and keep building one another up just as you've been doing. See, I think sometimes this is the missing piece that you and I are made to encourage one another to live ready. See, 
I think we do a good job of understanding that you belong so we can live ready. I think it makes sense if you've been in church long enough to say, because you belong in Christ, you have already have all that you need to live ready. I think as believers, we know in our head that we're living for a better tomorrow. But what does it look like? Well, Paul just starts it off here and he says, what does it look like? It looks like you encouraging and challenging, inspiring other people to get caught ready day after day. Church, the world is, is in need of leaders in homes, in schools, at work to help people live ready. Not just to be an example of someone who goes through life carefree because we've got a get out of hell free card and I can show God how much I know about him. But he's, he's calling us to live as individuals who are living ready so much and so authentically and so excitedly that we're challenging others to do the same. We're encouraging them to do the same. Church, this year, what would it look like if you're in your marriage, let's just say that's the one place, you're like, Lord, I am living as ready as I know how to live. Then are there lives around you that you need to encourage to live ready and let it be seen in your marriage. If you're at work and you're living ready at work, rough days, good days, struggles, they're all real. Are you using what you have to help people live ready also? Or are you just saying, well, one day maybe God will like you, make you like me? Hope you can get there. No, encourage each other. Help one another out. Sharpen one another. Do you know what the world would look like if every believer started living ready every moment of their life? The joy of heaven and the kingdom would be obvious. And the darkness of the enemy would be clear. So as you start off this year, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have all that you need to live ready. So let eternity and tomorrow stir your heart and let the command of God stir your hands. Encourage one another. The Lord may be right around the next corner. What are you doing? Don't waste your life. The Lord's, he might be right around the corner. Are you using your influence correctly? The Lord might be right around the corner. Don't get caught up in this or that. Don't waste your life. Live ready. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. And God, I pray this morning that you would allow us to live ready. Lord, it's easy to realize how much our need is, how great our need is. But the reality is, Father, in you we have all that we need. So, Father God, I pray right now, Lord, there are some that, that aren't ready. 
They look over the last week and they see waste and would love to do it again, Father God. We cannot go back. But Lord, let us put our hand to the plow and look forward. Because we do not serve a God who is there to to condemn and to judge his people, but a God who longs to welcome them in. So, Father God, I pray that if there is one in this room, one who's watching or listening, Lord, that we would belong to you through the life of Jesus Christ. And that in him we would find all that we need to live ready. Lord, let this church, as we move forward, completely inspire, Lord, one another, encourage one another. Lord, let us run towards you as your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand with me this morning as we sing our psalm of invitation? However God calls you, would you just respond? Let this time of worship, if the Lord were to come back right now, what would he hear from your voice? If the Lord were to come back right now, what would he see in your hands? What what thoughts would he know in your mind? Let's sing.